All right, let's do this. Another episode of Keo Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, I'm chatting with Mikael, who is one of the co-founders and current CEO of Unsplash. Unsplash offers up beautiful photos and photography for free for anyone to use for any projects. They literally have 10 photos being downloaded every second off of their platform. So really impressive stuff taking place with that team. Even more impressive, I have to say, is how Mikael has really introduced so many different mental and physical practices into his day and routines in order to handle crazy growth like this and expansion um, with Unsplash. So excited to share some of these these insights and his mindset. Also really pumped to share the fact that this week we just announced a big integration with Keo and Unsplash. So now when you're reflecting, if you don't have your own photo that you want to put into your entry that reflects your current mood or your current feeling or how you want to feel, now you have access to this massive database that Unsplash provides. You can match up those feelings with beautiful images from photographers uh, all around the world for free. So this just went live this past weekend. Take it for a spin. All I have to do is search KYO Keo in the Apple App Store and everything is in there for free. Lastly, if you are enjoying this conversation and others, please leave us a little love wherever you're listening. Those stars, as you know, really help us out in the podcast world. It helps us uh, show up in your search. It also helps us bring on these amazing guests. So if you're enjoying, please show us a little love where you are listening. That's all for me. Let's jump in and as always, have the incredible day that you are meant to have. Who are you? Uh, so this is an interesting question. It's something I, you know, when you when you fill out your bios for stuff, your Twitter bio, uh, I've thought a lot about this recently. And I think it's, you know, the one thing I basically want to be putting there is under construction. Um, and I've sort of changed that to that, that thinking to um, what, you know, exactly. How do you even answer that question of, of what you are um, without having sort of all these things like mess with your core identity. Sure. Um, so I think the only thing that I feel that is the core identity is that that constant feeling of trying to move forward and learn different things and, and being curious. And um, the thing that hit me and I live in Montreal and there's construction <laughs> everywhere. And it's just this feeling that um, I'm always like restarting and doing different things. So it feels like I'm, I'm constantly under construction. It's a great way to put it. It's the first time I've I've heard someone describe, um, you, you know, or answer that question in that way. And it, but it 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 totally makes sense. And I also resonate having lived in Montreal for five years. I totally get the construction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's say. So, have you always been like? Has that always been a part of your DNA? Was there a point 
you know, either before all of your, your entrepreneurial work or during where, where this started to really come into your life, this mindset? Yeah, I think um, when you start a company, uh, it, it allows you and, and basically forces you to think about where you stand on all of these things. And a lot of them relate back to you, like your personal things. What do you actually believe? What do you believe in? What don't you believe in? Uh, and it forces you to think about all those things. Uh, if you're trying to build a meaningful company at its core, you know, there's some sort of movement and mission that you believe in. Um, and it's ultimately related back to something you personally believe. So I think starting the company, which would have been five years ago, was the time when I really started to get to tap into um, how I really think about a lot of these things. Before that, I think I had bits and pieces of it, you know, but I just kept it internally and I would randomly ask these questions. But I, I think you know, I, I was on that track of go to school, go to university, get a job. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, I was in the mindset yet of questioning those things. Sure. Uh, but I, when I recall backwards and I remember not saying them out loud, but I remember having these thoughts in my head. And, and kind of like being retrospective on it. Um, and it's what led me into majoring in psychology. <laughs> so I went into university not <laughs> intending to major in psychology, but uh, you have to, the first semester, if you're planning on majoring in business, uh, Psych 101 is one of the first classes you have to take. Uh, and it was, I remember a, a, like an aha moment there when it was so easy for me and it was actually challenging for some of the other classmates that I had that were like destroying me and in other mm -hmm. classes and I'm like, oh, there's something here that there's something that I'm maybe uniquely uh, curious or good at in this space. And I'm just going to follow it a bit further. And I followed it all the way to being a psych major. Wow. And then, and here you are now, you know, running, we're part of the team running, running Unsplash. Yeah. I'm curious how, how that's helped or I, that makes a lot of sense. I actually didn't know that part about your, your bio, but a lot of the questions I'm going to ask or want to ask related to, you know, what you're putting out on Twitter and your medium posts and what I know about you, mm -hmm. it makes such sense. Um, <laughs> so, so how does that, how have you seen that trickle into, you know, staffing up a team and keeping the team motivated? Like there's one thing, one, one beautiful example I, I read recently where you guys were, cause you just raised a, a large round of funding and obviously that requires a lot of pitching and you, you guys did this exercise with the whole team, right? Where they pitched you mm -hmm. for, you know, for five minutes and, you know, just to get that first, I guess I'd imagine get feedback and, and understand, making sure that the team understands the vision and, and also see how they're seeing it through, through their lens, which is yeah. something we're totally going to steal with, with our team yeah. in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think it's every, when you start a company, it's just basically a giant human psychology experiment. <laughs> um, like it's the, the team dynamics and then you've got um, customers and partners and everything is run by humans, right? So it's just trying to understand like how do all these things happen together? Fortunately, uh, being a psychology major, it's like the perfect uh, background. Uh, and I didn't realize that going into building sort of an online or digital business, but um, yeah, it was the perfect thing. And it, I think it's the mentality of um, when well, I remember doing a psych study class and the whole methodology of running a psychology study is exactly what is in basically AB testing, lean startup, minimum viable, all that stuff is psychology testing. It's the same exact 
philosophy that that we were taught in, in school and I had gone through and I actually enjoyed it. Um, so I almost like think through and I, not sort of that level of rigorous detail, but more like the framework of cool. Someone like 80% of the companies all do this, you know, so let's say we're talking about vision and gave that example. Um, and most people you know, agree that it, the CEO needs to own that vision. And then the, so the question is, how do you own the vision? Mm-hmm. Right. And most people default to let's look at what the 10 other best companies do. And then I'll just copy that. Uh, what I sort of do is I say, okay, I'll look at all of that stuff. Uh, I'll understand it. And then I'll relate that back to another piece of psychology. So what is actually, what do people, and what do I think, what do humans actually relate to in this? And how do you actually get something to stick? And we often know all these things. They're just existing in like two different parts of our brain. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's when you just have to um, draw that connection. When you draw that connection, you're like, we could actually do this thing where we know uh, that when you have to learn something by practice, and that's sort of a lot of people were familiar with that. What if you could just apply that to vision? And then your job as CEO and owning the vision is setting up that basically design, that experimental design for um, your team and your uh, to, to communicate that vision. And then in a way, they are able to own that vision way better than if you were just the person sort of like saying it back to them. Um, so just that, that thought process through basically everything, you know, how do you, how do you think about hiring? How do you think about recruiting? How do you think about, um, raising money? How do you think about, um, working with customers, responding to customers, writing messages, you know, you can apply this across everything and just understanding humans, uh, is sort of the, the baseline, um, that I always try to draw back to no matter what any company does or said is, says is good. I also relate it back to just what do humans feel when they when they see those sorts of things and is there a better way love that this is probably a great point to share your vision and share a little bit about your story on you know what unsplash is for anyone that doesn't know and you know just quickly uh get to the point where how you got to uh, where you're at with unsplash yeah yeah definitely um, so yeah unsplash is a community of people who contribute photos that people can use for anything. Um, All the photos are high resolution. Uh, It's curated by the community. So it's almost like Wikipedia for high res photos. It's this beautiful collection of things that people can use and create with. Uh, And how it started was basically that purpose of my background after majoring psychology. I worked in design, uh, worked at an agency, worked as an independent designer. And I just saw all these problems, these constant problems of just getting... Uh, basic elements to create with. And one of the most challenging was visuals and photography. And you'd end up in these, you know, crummy stock photos and nothing was really working. And you're just sort of experimenting, you know, when you're designing an early thing, you don't even know if you're going to use the photo, Uh, but yet you might have to pay like a thousand bucks for it. So we were like, we've got all these extras uh, after doing a photo shoot. Uh, Let's just put them up. And let's put them up under the conditions that we thought were ideal to be able to create with. And that meant no strings attached, take them down, full high resolution. You don't have to worry about sizes. Everything will be good. Uh, and yeah, the site, this is a little hack day project that we made as, as part of uh, our, uh, our other company, actually. Uh, and it took three hours to make. We put those photos up. It was 10 photos every 10 days. Uh, gave it a name, Unsplash, uh, that we bought it for, I think the domain was $9 and the Tumblr theme was 19. <laughs> Love it. Um, 
and posted on on Hacker News and went uh, number one that day. So uh, that's sort of the start of it, and it it accelerated on from there. Uh, that was five five years ago, um, and just last year we spun Unsplash out to be working on it full time. Yeah, and I, and I, let's just just for the audience, uh, you're being very modest because you know those ten photos. I think where you're at right now is up to fifty billion photo requests at this point. Is yeah, that correct? Yeah. So yeah, we do. We're, we're a bit beyond that now um, because <laughs> we do six. We do six billion a month now. Okay. Um, so we started with the ten <laughs> photos, and that that library has grown. Uh, it's over five hundred thousand photos all contributed by people. These are not scraped by anything. They're basically people who are putting all these things in and, and building this community resource, this tool, this uh, system and platform up for all of creators to build off of. Uh, so it's a really powerful thing to, to see happen. Um, and especially you know, when we started the site, there was no profiles. There was no, like you had no idea how many people were seeing your photos. This was literally just people choosing to, to give to this and, and everybody sort of giving a little bit, um, creating this great repository uh, of creative things for, for people to build off of. It's, um, I just want to say congrats because I mean, I think, you know, I've been a long time uh, fan of Unsplash. I'm also a photographer. I don't know if you know that. So oh, no, I didn't. Uh, there's, there's that angle as well. But I mean, I've just used the photos and, and the concept for, for years now. And it's, what I love is it goes beyond just, you know, a beautiful ph photograph. Like, mm -hmm. you know, for people that have been following the interviews, uh, Jeff Sheldon from Ugmonk, who's been yeah. interviewed on, on Kia. I mean, that's how that connection came up. His, his yeah. photo popped up and I'm like, wow, this is an interesting guy. Cool business. And, and so we started, you know, started a relationship and started chatting. But then now, even just in, in, in the world of mindfulness, um, with your new Mac app, it's, it's something that has been... Kind of critical to my to my morning routine of just changing up a photo and based on the mood or mindset yeah. that I really want to set up for the day, right? So it's just you know it's it, it's wonderful. I mean, I think people on the outside think, you know, oh, free photo or free high quality photo, awesome community, um, but there's so much more to that as well. Which yeah, is amazing. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I felt it. We also have a, a Chrome extension, you know, and opens when you open a new tab, it shows you one of these photos that we have. And, uh, I was in a moment once where I was like, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed and I'm ready to do my next task. I forgot, you know, about the extension, but then I opened the next tab and it's this photo that sort of reinstated me. Yeah. You know, I saw it and I was like, I was able to breathe and, uh, almost like refresh. And it was all because of that, that photo. Yeah. And that's the, that's that power of photography. You know, even though, We've all got, you know, cameras in our phones and all these things. I just think that enables all of us more to tell these visual stories that we have. And then what the purpose of Unsplash is, is to push the impact of all that photography as far as possible. Because Unsplash is open and we can put these photos everywhere and push that artist and their work forward, uh, we can do what that artist did to me. Yeah. Or that would never would have happened. You know, if, if you put a copyright on it and it can't go anywhere, then that would never be sitting there. That would never change me the way that it did. And that's the whole purpose of, of art. I agree. That's, that's so powerful. And again, just kind of, you know, the work that, that I'm involved now with, with Keo, it's been almost two years, but 
before that, there was 10 years of basically another journey. Um, but that's where, where the photography started about 10 or 12 years ago. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of argue now that I'm thinking back of all the, like even the conversation we're having now and all the work with Keo, the, that mindfulness journey or being aware and, and kind of never being able to walk down the street without seeing angles or light or a photograph yeah. has, has literally changed my life. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, just a, a huge shout out and, and thanks for, for, for the work that you and the whole team are doing to put this out there. Cause uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's impactful on so many different fronts. You have a photographer's dilemma now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's the innovator's dilemma, but you're a photographer. So you see the, the photo everywhere. It's like, the, you know, I, I feel it all the time that something can always be better. It's the same, similar yeah. like feelings. So true. So I have to ask you, um, again, going, I know that you, you take, you definitely take time for your mind and take time, you know, to create space to think, write and all of that. How are you putting that on or putting on is the, the wrong term, but how are you, you know, getting the rest of the team on board to slow down a bit as well and realize, you know, wow, like these numbers and the impact that this company is having worldwide is something special because I, we're all high performers in, in some capacity, right? So I can imagine you and the team and knowing some of them, it's like, okay, we've got this now it's on to the next, uh, feature or the next project, right? So we can make it better and, and whatnot, but like, there's some amazing things happening along that yeah. journey. Yeah. We've, um, we've added multiple pauses sort of throughout the year. Uh, we work on basically these six week roadmaps. And then there's a week in between where it's a reflection mm-hmm. on that roadmap. So we talk about the things that happen. Uh, we, we also sum up that release. So we realize everything that happened in that, in that time frame, uh, just to reflect on, on the progress that was made, you know, seeing little X's and crossed off things, um, are a big deal for your mentality, even if they're small things. Sure. Uh, it feels like you're getting somewhere. You know, it's the difference between putting right blog post as your to-do item versus um, write 10 words or write for 10 minutes, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, just that feeling of being able to cross something off is, is, is different for your mentality. So, uh, and then having that moment to reflect, we've built that into the company. Uh, we do the, the yearly reviews uh, just for the community at large. Uh, and then quarterly, we do that with our investors, but we also do that with the team. So we'll, we'll take everything, uh, put it all together. And we've decided on that because we like that time frame. It actually gives us a, a nice moment of three months is sort of a good period to see a lot of progress when you're sort of looking longer term. We found one month can be a bit short. Um, yeah. and if you're, if you look at a month and you feel like you didn't do enough, then you might push some more short-sighted things that might not be the, the best longer term things. So basically that, that, that three month, then we've got the, uh, sorry, we'll, we'll start from the shortest time frame. We've got the six week roadmap. We've got the three month reflection and we've got the, uh, the full year in review. Um, those are sort of our, our big moments to look back at everything that happened and, and what was done and make sure we take that moment to, to reflect on it. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. Can can we dive a little bit into the six week Roma? Are you still using Basecamp to to for your sprints? So we've got we're like trying different tools. Okay, <laughs> we're constantly uh, and I'm looking to explore those. Like I love what Basecamp recently did with uh, their hills. 
you know, the progress. Yeah. So it's like you're, you're in this like discovery phase and then you're in the execution phase. Um, to me, that's a game changer and something I'm really looking into. Um, but yeah, so the six week was basically, we started out, um, and for that first week, we've sort of got some ideas of what we think is good. And it all starts with uh, what is always recentering on what is important now, what are we, what are we focusing on and why? And then that filters into things that actually happen and get done. Okay. Uh, and there's everybody's sort of contributing in that. So we, we bring everybody on the team is getting involved and it's basically around one document. Okay. Um, and everyone's sort of putting in, you know, people have different ideas of what is important. And then uh, once you've got everything in there, then it's basically let's condense this, let's cut, let's uh, debate, you know, what's important. Uh, and that's why we give the whole week for it. Uh, and then we're starting that following week with the, the next six weeks. Okay. So in, in, th- in that week is where a lot of this reflection takes place and imagining from the, the previous run, right? Yeah. Or do you have a, yeah. Okay. Perfect. That's yeah. So you could imagine, you know, the roadmap ends on, uh, let's say it's the previous week on a Friday. Uh, then on Monday, we'll maybe Monday, Tuesday, we'll talk about some of the things from the past roadmap. Some of those will move over to the next one. It'll also be a reflection on what we did well, what we could be doing better. Uh, and then as we move towards Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that's like constructing the, the next roadmap. Mm-hmm. And if we need a bit more time, we will we'll extend it um, into that following week. But that's largely how we're thinking about the process. Sure. No, it's super helpful. I think that'll be, uh, I mean, that's helpful for us as a company and uh, I'd imagine many others. Yeah. And that week is good for finishing. Some people are so close on something. Yeah, sure. Uh, and they just like are, are also finishing it off that way. But uh, it feels like, you know, you know, pit stop when you're going around a racetrack. You, know, you just have that moment. Some people, you know, are still fixing a tire and putting that thing on. But we're all, we all know that the car has stopped for a moment. That is, I'm, I'm glad you said that. And that, I think, this is this is what we're even trying to do with this podcast is how do we just stop people for just, even even if it's a fraction of a minute, right? Yeah. To come out of that autopilot to just right. think a little bit. So <clears throat> I, I really love how you guys have this set up with the, with, the, with the week, right? Because it's just, it's so easy to just jump right into the next set of tasks or projects. And just, just like our weeks go by, right? You can get to Friday, you know, but if you have a, you know, just a simple question at the end of the day or at some point saying, you know, what, what was great about this week or what would I have changed with this week? Yeah. It, it, it doesn't have to be an hour process, but it, it, again, like we, we have so many of the ans- answers in our own mind and from our own experiences, if we really just think about them. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's a, I agree with you. I mean, that's a question. I think you can always ask if you ever find yourself just typing into a thing and you're questioning, is this the right thing I'm I'm doing? That's probably your your mind telling you it's not quite certain. Sure. And you may be doing the right thing, but it's just to get certain. And when you're certain, it's a it's a whole different feeling. You know, that when you move into execution after you're certain on this is what you should be doing and it's the biggest impact that you can have, um, the work that you do will be better, the focus is better. Uh, yeah, the experience is better. So amazing. Well, I'm glad you brought up writing because that's definitely where I'd like to to chat with you next, and and then we'll get into some of your mental fitness practices. But you recently wrote 
on on Twitter a really powerful line in, in my opinion, and, and it goes like this: I used to write to be to read to be read. Sorry, now I write to understand. Mm-hmm. Man, that is, and I have to say, uh, anyone that and we'll put this all in the show notes, but anyone following you on on Twitter, like you're you've got some really great punchy, short, reflective thoughts. So, kind of two questions: Can we unpack that line and? And for you, how do you use Twitter for yourself? Because it's very unique. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so one of the practices I'm, I'm really trying to do, and it's, it's hard, um, is to not pay attention to any social feedback I get on, on anything that I'm, I'm putting out. And that's a total mentality shift, <laughs> right? Because like my background, when we were starting the company, there's four of us. My whole purpose is to, uh, I was in charge of the marketing basically like make sure we get customers, <laughs> sure. marketing and sales, you know, the CEO, make sure everyone's do this. And so that was my mentality. And then as a byproduct through that, I learned, you know, so when you make good stuff, you'll attract more of the right people and then that will be good. Uh, and then as a byproduct, you'll, you'll learn all these things. And so the reverse that's happened for me is I'm more focused now on learning and understanding and the byproduct is cool if people read it. Now, it's very difficult to make that transition after basically four years of programming. You know, I've got sure. software in my head that's telling me it's important how many people and who um, and all the systems are reinforcing that. But yeah, as the well. number bubbles. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and so those are things that I, you know, I'm, I'm tweeting that. I'm actually saying that to myself. You know, I'm like, resist it. You can do that. And, and I'm programming myself and um, I'm trying to put it publicly because uh, it forces me still to, to construct it at an even deeper level and understand it even better than if it was sitting internally and I never shared it. Yeah, that's, that's really, really unique. That's more why I share than sharing now to get certain numbers or get certain people to see it. So was there, was there a trigger for you at one point during that? Cause like you said, I mean, it was, it was all marketing and learning and, you know, adapting to, to different feedback and stuff like that. But that was there a mental kind of shift where it was just, is really pulling you down? Um, I think I, I was just being inspired by, you know, a whole bunch of people that have been reading things and, okay. um, I asked myself a bunch of questions, you know, like what is the, what's the purpose of it? What are you, what are you building? Why does that matter? Uh, and it, and it came down to like, if I, if I can, it's, it's more impactful if I improve my ability as decision maker, um, than it is to have that specific piece of writing, uh, drive more people to unsplash, for example. Yeah. Uh, because if I understand this, so let's say I write and I'm able to get out, a uh, hundred different things. That means I will understand all of those things so much better than if I had never written those things. So now when we make the thousand decisions a week that all depend on me knowing those hundred topics at a certain level, um, that's much more leverage. Sure. So to me, that's where my focus sits. And it's, it's about improving. How can I improve all of those decisions? And the, the best way I can improve all of those decisions is uh, understanding all those different topics better. Yeah. Well, in, in, in order to do that, 
you have to create space at, at some point in your day to write, yeah. right? Or think or reflect. So how have you, how have you done that? Yeah. So I've tried, um, you know, lots of different setups. I always come back to the same one, uh, first thing in the morning. Otherwise, you know, the day kind of takes over and I'm very operationally involved. You know, you're running a company. So, uh, and I'd like to do all of those things. And yeah. there's other very important things that, um, I can move forward during the day in collaboration with other people and writing is a bit more of an individual thing. Uh, and so I do that first thing in the morning. Um, I try, I don't really, I'm trying to constrain the time frame because it can get carried away sometimes if you, <laughs> if you let it, uh, when you get really into something. So that's one thing I'm working on right now is do it first, but constrain the, the time period. Uh, and then is it a daily thing? It's daily. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and even my qualification sometimes is just a tweet. So it's like a tweet is a, is a form of writing and reflection. Of course. Uh, and I really enjoy how it reduces the barrier. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of people feel they need to write a blog post or they feel they need to write something really insightful in order to qualify and hit their like daily quota. So true. Of write, write, I wrote today, you know? Yeah. Uh, but if you just, and then sometimes those tweets, you, you may be able to collect those up and turn that into something bigger even down the line if you're thinking about it that way. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I, I just look at it as like, get something, get something out, some thought that I have. And I have these, you know, thoughts all the time and I'm just sort of documenting them. Uh, and then I'm going to go back and clean them up later because I need to think even more, uh, a bit more about them as well. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry to keep pushing on the practical seat. So when these thoughts come up, how, how do you document these and where are you writing? And Yeah. Uh, I keep try to keep tool sets really, really simple, basic. So uh, notes app on my phone, yeah. uh, just it says tweets and I've just got a list of stuff, you know, when I'm out walking my dog or thinking about something and it gets in there yeah. and I just get it out of my head. Uh, I don't try to write the tweet at that moment. Um, I really believe in batching things up because you can get this squirrel brain and sort of, well, I got to tweet this now. And then the number bubbles get to you and you can go down these like things. <laughs> so I prefer to put it somewhere else. And then when I, when I have designed, I've designed my system to go and do that in the morning. Uh, I'll do it the next morning. Okay. And if I don't get to it, cool. It keeps moving back. Um, and that's fine. Uh, that's the process for me that, um, I believe I can sustain for a lifetime. It's amazing. Well, we've, we've definitely already kind of moved into some of your, your routines. So I'll back up a little bit because I usually start that with just, just getting an idea from the guests on, you know, what your thoughts are or what you think mindfulness is, or what, how would you define even mental fitness? Yeah. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, so mindfulness to me is that, that practice of, one thing at a time, basically you're, that's it. You're looking at that thing or you're, um, thinking about that one thing or you're listening to, you know, I was listening to music this morning and I'm actually just listening to the music to the point where (laughs) someone was like talking to me and I louder than the music. I couldn't hear them because I, my brain literally was just doing this thing. Uh, and that's mindfulness to me, you know, in, in, it's hard to do it in everything, but uh, I I try to to seek that out because I think it's it, it's what the whole point of everything. I mean, we only have that moment that you're 
that you have right now. You know, you have, and I know people say these things, but um, it's, it, I, I, I subscribe sort of to thinking about death a lot yeah. <laughs> to, to get that feeling actually, you know, and you probably had some people talk about memento mori and yeah. this feeling of understanding and knowing that death is coming. And, um, and people, it's like taboo to think about it. Be like, why do you think about that? It's kind of dark, but it's what allows you to look at that moment that somebody would totally neglect in normal life. You walk by a stranger and you can look at them and just smile at them and see, try, you know, in their life, what are they experiencing? Know, think about them at their happiest, at their saddest and give them that moment, that just that eye moment, you know, and I think you can tell that sometimes when you walk by certain people, people who have a, a mindfulness about them uh, and it, it changes you and it makes you feel a certain way. So I, I, yeah, that's what mindfulness means to me in sort of a longer answer. No, it's, it's great. And I love the detail. And I, I think it just, it comes down to perception, right? It, or it changes your perception, especially when you're thinking of, of death. And it's funny, it's literally the last podcast that I recorded. We, we spent some time on that. And I recently actually just went to first time ever an all men's retreat. I didn't even know these mm. things existed, but it was, it was unbelievable. And, and, and one of the exercises we were walked through was basically a meditation on building up your life to that perfect moment, right? Like everything is set, everything you've ever dreamed of right? and like feeling those feelings. And then bam, you just found out you're dying today. Right. And, and the question was what's left unsaid, right? Man, was that a powerful experience to go through with a, with a group of people. So it's um, to your point though, like then when you're walking down the street or doing any activity, it just, I think it just it sets another perception on what you're doing. Like, let's, like, to your point, like, let's get the most out of, of, of these moments. Cause it's these moments that, that we have right now. Right. Yeah. And I think about that, you know, I moved away. My family's in the U S um, I think about my family a lot and I've done the math and it's a scary set of math. But if you take average human life expectancy, I'm only going to see my parents probably another 40 times. Like that's a crazy number, right? Like, yeah. And so to reflect on that, this is, you know, I'm going to go home and see them in, in a month and a half. Knowing that number totally changes how you think about the next trip, the next time you see that person. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's, it's a big one. If, if you, I, I don't know if, 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 if you've seen Jesse Isler's work, but he talks a lot about that, mm -hmm. those, those calculations. So for anyone listening, if they, they really want to dive into that, it's, it's a, it's a great eye opener because you're right. Cause we normally talk about is if you ask how many times you see your parents, uh, it's, oh yeah, I see them, you know, twice or three times a year. Right. Well, not really. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's what you're getting to. It's, it's actually a 40 more times, which, wow. That again, puts things in, in perspective. Yep. Um, all right. So can, can we talk a little bit about intuition in your life? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, let, we, we haven't talked about this at all, but I mean, you are from the US, what, what brought you to, to Canada was a pretty gut reaction type move to, to come meet Steph, right? Yeah. After, and who, Steph is one of the, one of the co-founders of Unsplash, who was also in, um, in the app. You, you're actually starting to trend right now. This is the <laughs> second couple. We've got Kevin Rose and Daria oh, Rose cool. were the first. So we're starting to trend, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just curious because that's a very big intuitive move to just take off and go and then then live, you know, at her parents' place for what was it, five or six years yeah. <laughs> uh, and start these companies. 
you know, how, how have, how has intuition impacted your life and how are you listening even, even more clearly to that intuition? Or are there any, any things that you're doing in your life that you feel like is really augmenting that, that powerful skill that you've got? Yeah. So, um, intuition. Yeah. I think it comes that builds up from different experiences and how you can like cross pollinate and marinate all those things together to come up with sort of a unique intuition. Yeah. Um, I think the initial intuition for coming with, uh, with Steph was just like, I met her, uh, it was the summer I graduated university. She was on vacation with her family. Um, and I was sort of traveling and had the travel bug and I was going through and we had, we'd met in Mexico. Uh, and, yeah, we just had these like four or five hour long conversations at night. And, and that was it. Like I didn't even, it was just the, like the longest conversations I was having sure. with a human, you know? Yeah. Um, and not only with that, but I was uh, deadly attracted to her. Um, she had like all these different flavors about her that I had never seen in a woman. Uh, I got to meet her like whole family at the same time. Sure. Um, and so to me, you know, I, I hadn't seen a relationship. Like, so you, yeah, you have intuitions from past relationships and what you've learned and sort of that built up over time into understanding that I remember seeing her and I was like, I'm going to marry that girl. And you know, I'm a bit of a romantic, uh, but I, sure. I just had this, you know, I, with all those things that I was feeling um, that I wanted something there to, to be a long-term thing. So um, did everything possible. So I went back to the US, uh, signed a $1,500 line of credit because the bank wouldn't even give me a credit card. Uh, so my dad had to co-sign <laughs> on a line of credit Crazy. with me. And I knew 1500 could probably get me like three, four months if I needed to. Um, sure. In Montreal, I took a one-way bus on my friend's soccer team. They put me on as manager. Had no way coming back. Um, but that wasn't like the forcing function. It was more... Yeah. I was really certain. I was like, I'm going to figure this out. This feels so right. And if we bring it back to, um, I guess, intuition amongst other things, I still think sure. intuition builds upon uh, lots of experiences and feelings that you have. And you can have flawed intuition in areas that you don't have, you know, some of those experiences is, or, or different ways of, trying to augment your own intuition from other people's experiences. Um, and I think you need a bit of both. I think you, you can have your own experiences and then you're augmenting with um, other people's experiences and you're trying to bring those, those together and, and try to optimize, um, you know, what success looks like for, mm -hmm. for whatever you're trying to in tune about. Sure. Do you find if you do certain things like in your routine or in your life or what, practices, places you go, whatever, whatever the, the, the characteristics are that you feel more intuitive or that you're hearing it, I guess you're more self-aware of things like this coming up. I mean, this is a, obviously with Steph is a, a massive yeah. <laughs> kind of gut feeling to, to, you have to pursue this, but I'm, I'm just curious on a, on a day to day or month by month, if you've noticed anything that helps with that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we talk, there's people talk a lot about mental models and it's just ways of thinking about things. I think that often lead you to right answers. Sure. Uh, so I, 
I have a few of those. So like when we're thinking about any sort of I- idea of what to do, and let's say it's a new idea, even Unsplash, for example. Uh, when you start an idea, my brain automatically goes through the, like the same process. And it's the process that has worked for Unsplash. It worked in a row for multiple things that we have done. Uh, and it's basically like try to start it with no design, no development. I know this is a bit tactical and specific, but I'm uh, trying to go through that whole like mental process, like basically figure out how you could do it yourself, hacking it together with a whole bunch of pre-existing tools. So that's like number one. And if you can't solve that problem in a way that people gravitate to it with those, that set of things, um, you, you either need to know really clearly what you're missing or there may not be something there. It's really interesting. Uh, so that's something that, that I've honed over doing multiple projects in that way and, and seeing them develop and, and seeing uh, which ones are successful. And, and often when I follow that, that sort of process, um, it, has, it has worked to the degree and the expectations that, that I was looking for or exceeded them drastically, like in the case of Unsplash. Sure. Uh, so that's like one. And, and um, yeah, I think if you, there's other, there's other frameworks that you can think through that will help lead you to decisions. Um, but yeah, simplifying down to the core, I think is a, is a key one. And that's just one, how it, how it relates back to building product. Love that. That's, that's great, great model. Cause we, we get so wrapped up on, on design and development and, all of that, right? Like, let's make it, let's make it perfect right away. Or, or if you, if you don't do that and you know, it's not really tracking and you're like, Oh, well it's, you know, I need to do this and that. Right. And and that will get it to the next level. Right. So, right. It's, it's, but it's, what's important is stepping back and is that really what's happening? (laughs) Right. Or, or is it our own mind kind of fabricating that, that story? It's a great, great process. So just just jumping into because uh, I, I want to respect your time and, and definitely get a really good glimpse on kind of your average day and and specifically but for your mind what I'm talking about and specifically your non negotiables mm-hmm. because you know I think it's when we're at home and things are somewhat scheduled you know it's easier to to build in the certain elements of our day that we know we need. But then when you're, you know, New York and San Francisco, which I think you travel quite often to these these locations, like that's where things start to drop. So what I'd love to know is what are the things that don't drop? Yeah. So things that don't drop actually have, uh, I call it a category of current systems running, which is basically um, things that are, I'm running through my body right now. Uh, And there's, there's not many, but these are like, as you say, the non-negotiables, body health, is one. Um, and that includes, so I will like, there's a lot of posture things that I do throughout the day. And that's, this is sort of a long-term thing. Um, I will often do, it's either 25 minute or one hour sprints, depending on the task that I'm doing. Uh, and I constrain the time. Okay. And, uh, sometimes in there, especially if they're more monotonous things. So like, let's say you're, um, going through things that you know are going to take like four or five minutes each. It's like answering a bunch of different emails. The reason I know this is because um, the thing I add to that is uh, I've actually created a little checkoff process to help build momentum. Um, 
and it's based off of the way that lawyers keep time. Okay. So they keep time in six, six minute increments and they actually document everything. Uh, and so what I do is I use that as a way of building momentum. So basically let's say if we we're setting up for this podcast, I would write uh, open email to Keo podcast with Mark and then I'll timestamp it once I do that. So 1015. Then the next thing after that is I know I need to click the link and this sounds really stupid, but you know, I, some of them I might not go that granular, but let's yeah. say I, let's, I click the link then that's 10, still 10, 15. Uh, then uh, that one's running and then we finish the talk and then it's, uh, you know, the interview with Mark is done, uh, 10, 45. Then I'm setting up, what am I doing next? And it's, uh, okay, I probably need to just reset on, define the most important task. I don't put the time yet until I've defined that. Let's say it takes me four minutes. Then I put that timestamp in there and I add the next thing. And so what it's doing is you sort of see all these little things that you did on the path to, you know, getting to your next task. And it, what happens is it keeps pushing you through all of these different things. And I do that in moments when I feel uh, like a day is kind of getting away from me. Okay. I, I started doing it. I, I tried to do it like through a full day and it can get really hard because you get into certain tasks and you don't mark your time or whatever that is. Um, but I really found it useful when you need to like regroup. Yeah. And you're sort of like, I'm, I need to uh, get back on track and get some momentum, get some little quick wins in here. Uh, and that's something that's been really useful for me. So are you, are you I'm assuming you're using some sort of software for this or no? Uh, text edit. <laughs> I, I don't love it. <laughs> okay. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, I just sync it with Dropbox. So it's everywhere, but it's just, yeah, the text edit file. I love it. You are pure. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. What's, um, so then you, you talked a little bit about posture. I'd love to hear yeah. a little bit more about that because that is something uh, we had a, uh, a movement specialist, uh, on the show on point and wow, there's so many little things that we can do throughout the day that can make a massive amount of difference. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I don't remember the exact time frame, but I believe it's either around an hour or, uh, even less than that, maybe 45 minutes where, if your body is staying in a certain position, uh, physical changes actually start happening. So if you're sitting for you know, longer than that period, your body will already start to make uh, changes to itself to start compensating. And, and that's where you get the sort of things where you'll tighten up, your hips will get really tight, which will lead to back pain, these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so those 25-minute, 45-minute sprints that I do, in between, there are five-minute breaks. And five-minute breaks are perfect for doing... Um, mobility movements. And so what I'll try to do is basically compound mobility movements, which are things that impact uh, my biggest muscle groups so that they're as efficient as possible. So I won't just like stretch my, just my forearm. Now, someone who has a forearm problem may want to do that because it's optimal. But if, if you're sort of all in all um, like tight, which I can get sometimes, sure. uh, I'll do a squat test. So that's sort of crouching down um, with your feet fully flat and try not to rotate your angles out. And you're basically just sitting in that squat and holding it. And I'll hold it for either that four or five minutes. Uh, and I'll take breaks as I need to, to come up and, and go back down. And, and basically what you're doing is sort of resetting all that posture if you were sitting. Uh, I'll also do sessions of standing through yeah. the day. So I'll, I'll sit, I'll stand. Um, but 
there's been a lot of stuff about, you know, sitting is and smoking, but I actually I wrote a post a long time ago um, where I looked back at standing because standing actually was this very similar problem to sitting uh, back when people worked in assembly lines. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so when people so would true. stand for long periods of time, they would get uh, circulation problems, varicose veins. It's all like the same yeah. problems that, then, that people were saying with sitting. Uh, postural problems because your body's your body's not designed for that but your body is designed for movement so basically that 25 45 minute whether you you can sit for like a 25 minute period then you got your five minute break to to do some mobility and movements and then you could stand for the next 25 uh then you could sit again you could stretch again sit again so that movement shifting and changing um is something that is also sort of Mm non-negotiable And what's beautiful about that, like there's no tools required, right? right? You don't, you don't even need, you know, so often you, people talk about running, right? Like all I have to do is bring my running shoes. You literally just have to get up or, and do a couple squats or whatever, right? Just to, but again, it's that conscious trigger to, to, to do it. Yeah. Even just laying on your back. So, you know, if I feel I've been standing and you know, I don't want to go and do some like aggressive stretching and squatting right now, um, I will just lay on my back and laying on your back and let the gravity do the work to reset uh, your whole body. And basically just getting in those positions of where, you know, our whole evolution has told us to be. Sure. Uh, And that feels really good and sort of resets you for whatever you're about to do next. Love this. Next time I'm at the crew cafe, I'm going to, I'm going to look in the back to see who's doing burpees. Uh, It looks weird back there. If you, if you look, (laughs) I've seen people through the glass, you know, like doing these weird squats and laying on my blip on my back. (laughs) Interesting. Don't mind him. (laughs) It's amazing. All right. Let's get your three reflective questions. I mean, you've provided questions throughout, throughout our chat, but if, if you really have to think of three questions that circulate around your life on a frequent basis or during big life-changing events, what would those be? Yeah. Uh, the, the first one I'll start with is, you know, it's, it's basically reverse engineering life, right? So what do I feel is the purpose of life? And that will be the number one question and answering that question that will trickle down to, even if what I started about was what should I do next? for for like a business task. Sure. If I'm not clear, I'll actually go all the way back to that question. Makes sense. You know, yeah. Am I clear on what it is? Until I'm clear on it, then then I can filter it down into other questions. And those other ones, so basically what do I feel is the purpose of life? And there's secondary questions sort of built into that same question, mm-hmm. uh, which another way of asking it just to maybe chalk your brain to understand it better, you know, what does a successful life look like? Uh, or when I'm 90, what would make me look back and feel that I achieved that? Um, so that's all kind of like one one question of purpose. And then once you've once I've sort of clear on that and I define that, uh, how to achieve that purpose? So how do I achieve that purpose? And then that gets more a bit more tactical. You know? So it's like okay, well this needs to happen. Uh, these three things need to happen in order for. Uh, me to be able to achieve that purpose. Yeah, that's great. And then uh, if, if we break that down to to sort of one shorter term one, because it can be hard sometimes to think out to, to 90, uh, I can think 10 years out. Okay. So, 
you know, I'm, I'm 40. What does success look like? Love that. And that's a fun, you know, whenever projecting out like that, it's, that's a really fun exercise too, right? Cause you, you can dream a little bit. I mean, you're centered into obviously having answered that purpose question first, you know, things are quite centered and, and you probably feel focused, right. You know, what, what you're doing, but then going down, you can kind of expand out to that. Yeah. And it, it's fun, right? Cause it's, it's fun to dream a little bit, but what's always amazing to, to me, and actually this is how this product actually even started on my side was how much of that stuff comes true. Yeah. When you reflect back, right. Or look at, wherever you're writing that down, like, wow, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually document them with, uh, and I have timestamps. So whenever I have these thoughts, I'll go back in, I'll re-answer those questions. And then I'll actually get to see what I answered last year you know, or the year before that, or even six months ago. Sure. Love it. And what are you, I keep asking for tools, but what are you, how are you doing that? That I do in Trello and that, that's largely, you know, a product of a lot of our business stuff is, is in Trello. Sure. Amazing. Last question for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, But what's key and the reason I keep asking these things is, you know, the, the, the biggest thing we're trying to do is, is stimulate reflection for people and everyone's different. So the more we can pull, okay, no, this works for you. This works for someone else. This works for me. Right. Like there's something in there for someone. Right. Yeah. So that, that's why I keep asking and appreciate you, you sharing this. Um, the last question for you, what makes you smile each day? There's a lot of things that make me smile. Um, yeah, I, I smile every time I wake up next to my wife and I'm just thinking straight from the morning, I'll go through the day. Um, The feeling of flipping something that actually is, could be annoying, but turning it into something that makes you smile. So for example, like the sun right now we're moving and we can't turn our air conditioning on. So I just get this (laughs) giant blast of sunlight (laughs) at me at like six in the morning and yeah. it started out, you know, like I, I had the feelings of uh, angst against it. You know, I can't sleep, you know, it's hitting me. In the, but then I tried to reverse it and then think through again, that memento mori, like I get to see the sun. Mm-hmm. You know, what if I didn't even have eyes? What if I couldn't see? What if uh, I couldn't feel this? Yeah. And, and then that, and then, and then you sort of embrace it. I embrace the heat and they start joking about it, you know, with my wife. And so these sorts of things. And I think that speaks about being mindful and present. I'm, I'm feeling that whole moment, even if it's not, you know, originally I didn't think it was the most amazing thing to feel. Um, but I took it in and started feeling it, um, going out with my, with my dog and seeing her be so excited by everything that she was excited by yesterday. You know, she's mm-hmm. the same level. Yeah. <laughs> she's I'm always amazed she's, with that. <laughs> she's content with all of it and loving the whole thing. Um, I think just seeing, you know, one of the things I, I love doing through the day is I get overwhelmed with how creative people are and get to see that, you know. So, like, this one thing I love about Twitter is just so much, like, amazing things being made all the time. Like, you can get lost in how creative, once you start following the, the right people, um, seeing that level because, you know, when you, when we didn't have these sorts of tools, you didn't really see that. And you felt that there was maybe only one path that you could do something. And 
now I just feel inspired by so many people. I feel like I, I, I can't even compare to a lot of what people are doing and how good people are. Um, and, and that stuff makes me smile. And yeah. And then, yeah, just people. And I, I don't know, I think a lot of everything that I feel during the day, I, I just, uh, I like feeling, feeling all of it. And that tends to make me smile. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, it's very clear. The theme I think of the conversation is, you know, you're very self-aware of everything going around or along in your life. And I think you live a life that is is really based on on gratitude, especially the way you you just answered that. And I think it comes out very strong in in the rest of the conversation as well. So I'm grateful to, to, to have the opportunity to, to spend this this last hour chatting with you and, and hopefully sharing insights and practices and, and mindsets with, with all the people listening to this. So, you know, a true thank you for your time today and also the incredible work that you're putting out there in, in this world. It's uh, personally, it's affected me and I know, you know, we can talk about the numbers of millions of others. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Um, yeah, this is great. Uh, you giving me, you know, another moment too to understand all of these things and, um, having someone to, to talk through with it means a lot. Amazing. Have the best day yet. Thank you. You too.